boost your logging. Welcome to the Mastering Embedded Systems Podcast, episode 28. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Mastering Embedded Systems Podcast. I'm Georg Lora, and this is the podcast dedicated for challenges within the embedded systems realm. I tell you the know-how and teach you the ways to succeed and overcome your obstacles and roadblocks in embedded systems projects. What was going on in the meantime? You might remember episode 26, uh, where I mentioned what I will do, some kind of a split up of the podcast into a part containing technical details and another part containing or treating more project management issues. To be honest, I was not really happy with that. I was not satisfied with that. And it was in my brain, it was in my head for all the time. I was asking myself, what shall I do? First, on one side, I have, podcast is a great story, or this podcast has become a great story for me. It feels good. I have fun with it. I enjoy the recording. I enjoy the releasing. I provide information. I try to support you and I additionally get great feedback. So why do I want to split up artificially? This idea does not get out of my head. And one day, it was I think three days ago, going into bed in the evening, I have had like a flash. Yeah? So it was something I do not need to split it. It's not necessary. Many of you will be affected anyway by both aspects of technical details and project lead, project management during all your days at work. As an engineer, you're affected by all the leaders and managers or by their actions or their, by their non-actions. And as a leader or a manager, you need to have some knowledge about the technical details and problems to become better and understand the situation you or you guys are in. So finally... I came to the conclusion, I simply will continue with the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. So it will be still the same mixture of content. I have still the same audience audience in my focus. It's same dedication and my same intention for all of you. So I'm trying to have guests in interview, having a lot to tell and explain. And I want to contribute also some solo episodes giving you my thoughts, know-how, and also experience. So, what you can learn from others and improve your skills, attitude, and habits. That was my idea. So, But there will be some changes. First of all, as I mentioned before, the schedule was too tight. So, it was very ambitious. <laughs> so, every week, one episode was really ambitious, but... It's, it's going to the point where I say, okay, no, it's a little bit too much. So a fortnight will be fine for me. A fortnight is fine when I can provide everything, the details, and that seems to be going, yeah, it seems to be good for me and fine for me. And also, as I have heard, the guys are sometimes even flooded with information every week where I do not even have the time with all the other podcasts or the regular work or other de details or other issues we have to fulfill. So there is very often not even the time to, to catch up. So therefore, a fortnight is fine. And... I got a very reasonable and very fine and very contributing feedback by Michal Lavati. Michal is, um, was a speaker at the Embedded Testing Conference in Munich. I was also there, I mentioned already. Michal is a test automation engineer working for Native Instruments. Native Instruments is a leading manufacturer of software and hardware for computer-based audio production and DJing. 
So it's something which is completely out of my focus, so completely new. Michael was, by the way, was referring to using a Raspberry Pi for embedded testing. And he wanted to clarify the question whether this is a tool or simply a toy. Michael came up with a very reasonable feedback for me, and he raised one improvement, and that will be chapter marks. Chapter marks is something which I haven't taken into focus for all the episodes before, but it was already in my mind, but this was now the trigger. Okay, now let's start into today's session. Logging. I think you are already done with logging, so or you have already done logging, so if you suffer of logging every day when dealing with embedded systems, it might be that you have enough logging or you have too less logging or whatsoever, but it's very often it's a pain. My intention for this episode is to give you a thought I'm carrying with me since years to improve logging. It's not for the super experts, this episode, so knowing everything of the system and who need only to touch the failing product with their, with their hands and then we can point out the failing part in a second. So like the mechanic, you drive your car into the garage and you only he only listens to the machine and puts some hand on the motor and says, yeah, that's the ignition part, we have to change what on that. That's not the destiny of this, of this episode. But it's for the regular software developer, for the normal software tester or software integrator, who are facing the new parts first and need to connect them together for a working system. Or it's also intended for the engineer who is in charge to analyze a failing embedded system with having not much more than some logging output and perhaps some kind of post-mortem access. As regular, you find all the links and additional information in the show notes for this episode at embeddedsuccess.com slash episode 28. Stay tuned and be inspired. Let me summarize out of episode number one. You might remember that was the topic why you never become a famous engineer and five smart principles bringing you back on track. In this episode, I highlighted why it is that difficult with embedded systems. So, thinking in small systems, that means functions are only possible with limited resources. And it also means how well could you realize these functions or how maintainable are the systems. Running an embedded system or developing an embedded system always means thinking in limitations. That was my highlighting in episode 1. Belonging processing capacity, storage capacity, energy efficiency, responsiveness, reliability, integrity, handling... You need especially become aware of your system limits. Taking limits into account is a major part of dealing with embedded systems. And what's, no, what's now the intention of logging? Simple. As the embedded systems is an embedded system, so it's closed, it's encapsulated somewhere. You don't regularly you don't have a direct access. If you, for example, imagine the control of your heating. There is, no, there is no, besides the temperature control or on and off or some limited programming capabilities, you do not have any kind of access. And logging, that means that the maintainer who comes along gets some kind of indication, he gets aware of what's going on in the system and also get aware of things going wrong in the system. The main intention of good logging is always find problems as fast as possible. But... Is the current approach, which is regularly run, the best? The best to start, 
the best way to analyze and the best way to determine the system's reliability, function, or stability? No, I don't think so. Let's have a look what's going on. What's the current, the regular approach nowadays for logging? We have two different possibilities in general. So very often you do not have any kind of external connection. So you don't have a connection to the outside. As mentioned, the heating control, your refrigerator, or also the, 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 the systems, the motor control systems in your car or the telematic systems. And maybe they might have some kind of GSM connection or bare cellular connectivity. I don't know. Regularly, these kind of embedded systems do not have any way to connect with the outside. So there is also uh, no way to forward any kind of logging to the outside. And additionally, and that's even worse, you have a very limited inside resource. So you do not have a much space memory, you don't have much space in CPU capacity or also in, um, in other ways how to can put in function calls and all that stuff. One way I was, I was coming in trouble with that, well, I was doing a machine control for a rotative stamping machine, which were four control modules each was connected via canvas. One was the master, uh, three were slaves, and they were connected for synchronization by using the canvas. And uh, it was the canvas was on one megabit speed, so the, the most high speed, what is possible, the bandwidth was at maximum. Every millisecond, one telegram, which consists of 64 bits of payload, was transferred, and it was only highlighting the synchronization timestamp. Every time, every millisecond, we get the trigger point that the, the control routine was starting in these machine controls. It were three different motor drives controlled by each of the modules, and we have had to do some, some work in this one millisecond. Now the question was, how could I investigate the details of that machine? Because I do not have any kind of connectivity to the outside. Yes, of course, in later phases, I have had and can eavesdropping module. I could plug into the canvas and can read all these details. But it was bare. It was really, really the, the gory details on the bus. Yeah. So it was not really that pleasurable to analyze the system if you get uh, if you get uh, sixty four thousand bits per second and saying, okay, what does it mean now? You have to do some aftermath anyway. There were four LEDs on the system. Four LEDs, that means 16 different states using the binary coding. And then I used that one together with some kind of running light. So that means that also different frequencies of the LED blinking has had some meaning. And it was tried to provide the status of these modules using these LEDs to the outside. But even that was really, really complicated. So as closer, as tighter, as smaller the system is, as regularly, as much worse or as much more complicated it is to achieve something about the state of, this, of the module in the, in the internal side. And even logging is rather complicated at that point. It was, by the way, it was finally done in that way, that pressing um, on the control panel, there was, a, there was a control panel connected, serial line, 4,800 boats. So, um, and this one was taken, uh, some keys were used for that, that you press one key, it has it started internally to collect data. And when you press another key for the end, and when you have had, uh, and when you can have had to stop the module, all the data were pressed into the flash. And when you reboot it, and when you extracted that particular amount of memory of the flash to the outside via a serial connection, 
the same serial connection which, which was used for having the control panel attached. So it was during runtime, it was not possible to do all that. So if there was some capacity of something like have a 10 second uh, window of um, of protocoling all the details. So it was rather helpful because, as mentioned, one cycle was one millisecond. So you already have had 10,000 cycles in that in that area. And as it was an, a circular buffer, you ever always have had the last 10 seconds of the details inside of that. With that approach, we found a lot of problems already, but it was always a pain to extract all the details, push it through a Python script and get the, 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 the data, the extracted data, get some graphics and all that stuff. That's one approach if the system is rather small, but there are also embedded systems which are quite big, who are uh, who have tons of external connections and which are more or less more like a real host system. And there, it's very often done like that, that you have the logging are consisting of tons of details, millions of log lines. Sometimes I, I think we are simply following the idea of more is, more is better, yeah, but more is not better you do not see the wood for the trees regularly. So, And crap is not your friend. From my perspective, we must get away from unlimited putting everything out into the log files because we do not consider the content and we do not consider the analysis. If you simply connect ev collect everything following the idea of if I have everything, I also have the important things, that's, yeah, that's diluting the situation because you get much too many details. It's also that complicated or rather difficult and um, dangerous already if software developers simply put out their algorithms results into the logging. So I observe that regularly that logging simply means that the software developer has some result or some status of his algorithm and prints it out into the log file. And sometimes you have the situation that during runtime it's suddenly detected that this that this piece of code is not only run through 10 or 20 times, but it's run, it's run through 1 million times. And when your log files explode and you have tons of, of, uh, of other effects during runtime, and when you don't see the wood for the trees and you don't know what is now the reason of what, what is the cause and what is the effect. So therefore, we must concentrate first on what's the intention of logging. As already mentioned, it's more or less... It's finding problems as fast as possible. We end up with the question, how can we make things in logging easier that we find problems faster? And this episode is now only about the idea how logging should be done from a general perspective. How should the idea of logging be realized to tackle the target of finding problems as fast as possible? The idea I have in mind since years is some kind of a system healthiness indicator. What does it mean and what's the idea behind? If you let software developers simply add logging outputs indicating success of the algorithm into the log files, when this regularly ends up in some kind of false hope. Very often you observe either millions of errors in log files, but the system more or less runs or it crashes due to non-predictable effects and you do not see the wood for the trees because there are tons of errors inside and it's very often a false hope to say it must be the first error and that's the, the mother of all errors 
or the other way around, there are no errors in the log files, but the system behaves wrong anyway. I, we have just observed that in another project here where we referred to statistic log counters or statistical counters and we put it out and it was always indicating that something is wrong according to the counters, but the system doesn't behave wrong. So what was that? And it was simply, finally, it was a miscalculation of the statistical values. So even if you do the log, logging, it does not mean that you are right. And therefore, it's very often also like that, that you have to consider that your system is behaving correctly. Let's go through the states of our system if it behaves correctly. First of all, in my idea is, identify indicators for the system's healthiness. So what does healthiness mean? Healthiness simply means that the system runs according to predicted values, according to relevant parameters. So it's not outside of its usage. It's exactly doing what it's intended to do, and it's exactly also doing what it is foreseen to do. F examples would be, you have some specific data available in some specific memory areas. You have specific interrupts received. You have resources available. So, uh, I mean, programming resources, hardware resources, whatsoever. Or you have specific code paths which are tackled or fulfilled. That could be always some kind of an indicator that your system is on the good track or that it is healthy. And there is also another part, not only a statistical position or a value or a content, but also some kind of a sequence. You might have some, some specific synchronization points that several parties must come to this synchronization point that you can say, now the system is on the right stage or on the right track. Also, you can take into account that this kind of synchronization must happen within a specific time. If that is done in a specific time, when the system could be indicated as healthy. You will always have some kind of cause and effect. What's going on? Which are the predecessors? Which are the successor levels of, of healthiness? So you can, it, it's like on a step. You go forward one step for the other. It's all on a ladder. You go upwards with every step. Let me make an example here. Let's consider the startup of a system. Startup of the system is very often a quite, well, let's say, a shaky situation. Yeah, so because there are quite a lot of uncertainties about the appearance of resources, about the availability of resources, about the approaching of dedicated code steps or code uh, locations of memory contents, and everything is a little bit shaky at that point. And it's especially shaky if you have not even thought about that. The question is now, how do you evaluate that the system is fine in its startup, that the system is healthy in its startup? Usually, you only have the end in view. For example, the prompt is available, the machine has started, the system sends some kind of ready indication, or it behaves in the correct way. For example, you sit up into your uh, car driver seat and you press the button for start, and the machine starts. So that's the end of the story. However, if you have a more modern car, you receive, you hear a lot of activities. The moment you press the open key on your on your remote control of the of the key, and then you hear a lot of small systems running, there are motors moving, things are done inside of the car without having you triggered that in what way. That's all the things are preparing a startup of the system. 
But if you see it only from the end, you say only the end, so the machine is starting, you might lose a lot of details in between. And especially if the system is failing, when you need these steps in between, you need to take the whole sequence into focus. So the sequence of questions you should ask yourself is something like that. What's the first step of the startup? Independent whether it's a car, a machine control, a musician system, or what, whatsoever else, or a pure software program, what's the first step of startup? And then the intention is not to print out the details of that startup, of that first startup, what's doing, what's done inside, but to indicate and to determine what has to be done successfully that this first step comes to, um, comes to a good end. So how can I determine that the first step has been done successfully? You have to think about that. And that's your indicator that the system is, after this first step, healthy. And then you have to think about how can I highlight this success in logging, in the logging which is available at that point. If you are in a very early stage of the startup of, for example, an operating system, there might be no possibility to store something to the outside. You might have to store it in some dedicated memory area and catch it or gather it afterwards and put it out somewhere else. And then the next question is, what's the next level in this startup sequence? What's the next level? How is the first level connected with the second level? And how is then the second level connected with the third level or the third step? How could that be done? What are the steps in between? Which must be fulfilled? How can I highlight that to the outside? How can I determine the success of the next level? And how can I then put that into logging again? So there is something like you have to go back for every step to think about how can I determine that it was successful? How can I put that out? And then again, what's the next step? At the end, you will have, a, in compared to regular logs, you see millions of log lines for the startup, you will end up with a rather short log in the success case. Yeah, because that's always a pain. If you have a successful startup or a successful system running and you are logging everything out, there is not much difference between a failing situation and a successful situation every time you have millions of log lines. And that's, that's, that's weird. That's simply not necessary. In the case of a successful startup, a successful system behavior, you should not have that much logging output. There should be everything simply two letters, OK. There is nothing more needed. Only at the moment you run into problems when there should be a quite huge verbosity. And therefore, if you do this kind of shorter logging using some kind of a system healthiness, in mind. When you see either the final step succeeding, that's at the very end of all these different steps, or you see that the subsequent step is failing. And we will have always a quite clear indication at which step has the system go wrong. At which moment has it run crazy or nuts. And the question you might have now is, but how should I do that? First of all, get rid of the simple all-in approach. Don't use the regular logging, put everything inside. 
but also means that you have to instruct your software developers no longer using that one, or you use some kind of preprocessor constant or preprocessor activity that you can disable this kind of logging on the very on the very early level and uh, do not even put it into the compiled binaries. Then you need to think in detail about detecting healthy situation healthy situations in your system's behavior. That might be a quite challenging part because this kind of thinking is not that known. Regularly, we think in failures and regularly we think in having everything available and afterwards we're looking for failure. But this thinking is now different. We are starting to think in successes. What are successful steps? And how do I detect that the, that the step was successful? And is this kind of indicator uh, sufficient to indicate the success? When you need to determine the transitions from one healthy state to the next healthy state. That means in the log file, you will highlight what is expected to be the next step, the next healthiness level. I have in mind something like, there is a, only a small statement inside saying, I have now finalized step 22A. I'm going to expect that 22B is the next step of healthiness or the next step which should be fulfilled. And when you see what will be the next step, and then there should be a logging line saying, step 22b has been done successfully, expecting to go to step 25. But now, the disadvantage of this approach is, and at least at the very beginning, this approach needs a hell lot of thinking before you can use it. I mean, if you follow the traditional approach, simply putting everything you have into the log file, when you have everything in the log file and you have to put in all the effort afterwards because you might need tons of experts, everybody, every one of them looking on his dedicated part and saying to you, that's okay or that's not okay. But I have very often observed that either there is some kind of, of counterpointing after it. So the A points to B, B points to C and C points again to A. So there is some, some ring building or everybody says, no, it's not my problem. And when you end up saying, okay, the system behaves wrongly, but I do not have any kind of culprit inside. So what should I do then? And then again, everybody must come together. So you, you, you have all the effort to be spent afterwards. And the major problem is, at that point, if it's, for example, a customer error, customer problem, you have no time. And you need to have all experts because you cannot point out which one must be, which one is the more suspicious than the other one. This is a quite tricky way to run or to evaluate faults. If you do all that logging in one step and then afterwards go and evaluate what's going on here and have to analyze that because you need a ton more of knowledge at a very unlikely, very unlucky situation and a very unlucky time. A benefit of this approach is that more or less everybody can read your very short log files. Because it's very clear inside that between step 22b and step 25, which was expected as four, uh, as, as consecutive sequence point, something has gone wrong. And then it's quite easy to say, okay, who is the transition? How is the transition between 22b and 25b done? 
And then you can highlight this is this party was involved, this party was involved, and this party was involved. We, these three parties have to come together because we have a stable, healthy situation until 22b, and we go not we cannot go one step further. So this is simply something you can achieve beforehand because you have to design your logging system as you do it for the regular overall architecture of your system. You are very quick to find the initial point of failure. So you do not have to dig deeply and every time and very, very um, urgently with all that stuff. Instead of every time involving every department who is engaged into the system, you can save wasting tons of effort with such an approach. You might first time see the wood for the trees. Because currently, to be honest, if I see log files and I have to download uh, several, hundred, several hundred megabytes of log lines, I, I'm not in the right mood then to investigate that. Because very often you have to be Superman to analyze that because you have only a very limited focus, a very limited perspective of the overall system. If you have a more or less complicated embedded systems, it's really a challenge to analyze log files if they are done that if they are done in a traditional way. But if you spend all the effort for the analysis before releasing, before you run into problems with that system, so from the very beginning, thinking about when is my system healthy? How could I indicate that? How are the next steps? How do they look like? How can I identify them and now put it into the logging? Yeah. Every, every bloke is, is possible to read the log files afterwards, and then you can also determine very quickly what's going on. And, moreover, you find accumulation of points of failures. You can identify areas of weaknesses quite easily. Currently, if I separate from an embedded system having, let's say, 10 different, um, 10, 10 different areas of, uh, of function inside, and we are logging inside all continuously, yeah, it might be that there is some kind of accumulation of problems in one area, but I do not see it, because it's simply too much. By the way, if you refer to episode 19, that was the, ep the episode containing the interview with Pero Precalo, so my personal favorite for bug hunting, and there is a comment by Tomislav Razov, in the in the comments of the of the show notes and he is indicating what he has done with very large log files he has transferred the log files with a digital fourier transformation into the frequency domain and in the frequency domain he has simply taken and you can see very easily spikes in the frequency and then he has observed that for example every every fifth of the minute there was uh, a quite uh, some particular log line existing so for example you always have some kind of writing to the outside and it happens every if, if you lock the lock if you see the log lines separately and you have millions of log log lines there might be that every two million log lines there is some particular indication or every every ten thousand you will not see it on the screen you do not see the repetition rate but if you transfer it to the frequency domain you will suddenly see some kind of repetition rates so that's that's a great approach, but it's always it's it's also only some kind of circumventing the pain of the of the logging everything is fine approach. Furthermore, 
if you are following such kind of healthiness indication approach, there is the good possibility that you are no longer suffering of not seeing the wood for the trees. You will see the wood and you will see the trees and separately. And there is a good way to integrate and test your software and hardware in a very short time frame because you have parallelized your software implementation and your software testing before. What we currently observe is that there is a software development, there is a hardware development, and then more or less in parallel there is software development when we are integrated and then more or less the software integration and software testing starts. We might have prepared themselves with some kind of equipment and, and test case production and so on, but there is nothing in between that we get, um, that we have a better opportunity to find problems inside of the testing much more easy. So currently what we observe is that the tester finds a problem and then says simply, yeah, there is a problem. I cannot observe state X, Y, Z. That's exactly what I meant before, that he only can observe that the endpoint is not achieved. So the motor is not starting, the machine is not running, the, the whatsoever is not, is not done. And that's the baddest point, because then you have to go from the very beginning until the end and to see what's going wrong. What a big benefit would it be if the tester can simply have a look into a very, very small log file and seeing, hey, it's failing in step 63, transitioning to step 68. And then he can look into some table and say, hey, 63, that belongs to department A and B, and 68 belongs to C and D. So I have these three persons, these three departments in mind, and I simply put them into the analysis and nobody else. That would be a real benefit. This approach means that every party must come together before that testing and the idea of testing and the idea of logging becomes a native part of software development. Even at the very beginning, you have to consider how the system should behave and how you can indicate that and how can you determine that. And you need to have a clear focus on which transitions are be done. And that needs different kinds of software development. You cannot go simply and say, okay, I'm only taking care of my algorithm and nothing else. No, you have to discuss with your predecessor and you have to discuss with your successor because you have to provide the indications. You have to provide the system healthiness indication. Okay, guys, that was it for today. Please give me a like for this podcast if you like to do so, of course. And you can do that directly on the website or you can use, if you are in, in iTunes or Stitcher, use them. So it would be great if I could get your feedback too. Do not hesitate. Drop me a note, embeddedsuccess.com slash feedback. This podcast would not have been possible without your feedback and your contribution. I wanted to thank you very much for all of your support. That was the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. I hope you get some inspiration, some ideas, or simply some entertainment with this episode. I'm Georg Lohrer from the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. Thank you for listening.